Welcome to today's podcast from Coastline Calvary Chapel in Gulf Breeze, Florida. We hope this message encourages you and brings light into your life. If you have a Bible or a device by which to access the scriptures, I'd love to encourage you to take it out and open it up to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at a verse there, verse 21, just briefly this evening. Um, And really in our family-friendly service. Now, I know what it means to have a family-friendly service. I had an hour and ten message that I'm going to whittle down to ten minutes because it's family-friendly. Does that make sense? Like I have a nine-month-old, a three-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old that are like hanging with us through this service. Anyone else have little ones hanging with you through this service? Okay, I, I, I love you guys. I empathize. I feel your pain. Remember that statement? Yeah. I'm with you tonight in that. And so tonight, I'd like to spend a little bit of time together as Coastline Calvary Chapel on Good Friday, which so happens to be this year, the same day of Passover. I'd like to spend some time, just a few moments together, considering from God's Word The tenderness, the significance, the importance of a night like tonight. Good Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday? Is it because there's a break from humidity in northwest Florida around this time? That's not a bad thing, but that's not what motivates the description of today. Why do we call this day Good Friday? Good Friday is the day that we remember... Jesus and his death. And you could say good, if you were going to use any kind of G to be a descriptive term, I would think it would be gruesome or grotesque. And I must share this with you. If, we, if we've had an opportunity to connect together either one-on-one or maybe in a small group or in a gathering, you know my addiction, that I'm an addicted alliterator, but I'm going to stay away from that tonight. But Good Friday... You may not describe the night, the day, the time in which we are considering the methodology by which Jesus took upon himself our penalty, our punishment, our shame, our sorrow as good. You might say, well, if anything, it's, it's gruesome. Have you ever considered crucifixion? It's grotesque. The cat of nine tails and everything that happened and transpired. Why do we call it good? Good Friday is good because it marks the dramatic price paid by Jesus' fulfillment of God's plan to save us. That's why it's good. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, God made him who had no sin. God made him who had no sin, to become sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what makes this Friday a good Friday. See, we're all born under the curse of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 Paul writes this to the early Christians in the city of Rome. He says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone. Everyone. Even Lainey Louise Pearl, if you know her. Little sinner. 
She's cute, but she's a sinner. But see, on Good Friday, Jesus, and I want to use this description intentionally, he reversed the curse. Jesus, on Good Friday, doing something that only he was qualified to do, reversed the curse of sin. You say, what do you mean? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul writes this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So our verse tonight, once again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become it. Think about that. That great exchange that takes place. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it was on Good Friday that Jesus, Jesus actually shared seven statements from the cross that reveal to us why we call this day Good Friday. You see, as he was dying, we'll see in even his first three statements, his undying and steadfast love and compassion for people. See, tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to consider very briefly, very succinctly, the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. Did you know that there's actual books written about the seven statements of Jesus? You could spend so much time just enjoying the implications and the applications of what Jesus is saying on the cross. But this is a family-friendly service, right? This is the hour and ten down to the ten. So what I want to do tonight is just consider those statements and almost just let them hang there. The interesting thing about the first three statements is Jesus hanging on a cross, having endured the flogging, the torture, from the Romans, carrying his cross down that place known as the Via Della Rosa, taking those spikes through his hands and feet and being jostled into place. Listen to what he says, first and foremost. Statement number one. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. as his shredded back pressed against the beam of the cross, as they nailed them to the cross, those spikes through his hands, through his feet, this is the heart of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It had impact on those that were around him because the second statement of Jesus is this. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What, what was he talking to? See, two other men were being put to death alongside Jesus. And one recognizing what was happening, reached out and simply said, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Well, have you been baptized? Have you gone through confirmation? No. What does he say? He says, today, you'll be with me. Father, forgive them, 
They don't know what they do. Today, you'll be with me. Statement number three, speaking to Mary, his mother, he says this, woman, behold your son. And to John, the youngest apostle that Jesus had on his team, his A team, his apostles, he said, John, behold your mother. See, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, his heart is moved with compassion for people. For people. Good Friday is good because it marks the love, motivated, dramatic price paid by Jesus fulfilling God's plan to save us from our sin. I mean, if there was ever a time to be focused on your job description, I got to get the job done, I think this would be it. Like if there ever was a time to put task over people, I'm going to the cross, leave me alone, people. Look at his heart. Father, forgive them. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Mother, your son, son, your mother. He cares for people. He cares for people. Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples about how people would recognize who we are? He said, they will know that you're my disciples by how smart you are. By how much resource you have because you're too blessed to be stressed. He said, they will know that you're mine because of your love for one another. See, here's the great thing about love for one another. You don't have to have the right pedigree or degree to excel in loving one another. You can own that. You can, like, you can be the guy, the one that just loves people. And Jesus, as he's there hanging on the cross, we know that his face was set like a flint, the scripture tells us, towards the cross. He was focused. But as he's there, fulfilling his mission, Father, forgive them. Today you'll be with me. Mom, he's going to take care of you. That's amazing to me. That's why books have been written about these seven statements, because there's so much more to share. But in the next two statements on the cross, here's what we're going to see. This is what we'll see in these next two statements. Jesus is nothing like us, and he's just like us. What do you mean by that? Statement number four, the word of God tells us that Jesus uttered this phrase, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Google Translate really helps with that if you ever want to know how to pronounce that. But Jesus' words were in Aramaic. And even in our English translations, they made sure to put that in there. Why? This was the language that everyone would have understood. Everyone would have heard what he had said. He said, I know what he's saying. He, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, if I were the one to go to the cross, this would have been my first statement, right? But for Jesus, this was statement number four. He's nothing like us. What do I mean by that? You see, between the hours of 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., when the sun is usually at its brightest, we're told that the sky went dark. And that's when Jesus uttered this phrase. Because unlike anyone else that has ever existed, it was at this moment that the full weight, the weight 
of the collective and individual weight of the penalty and consequence of every injustice, every mistake, every sin was placed on Jesus. No one has ever experienced that. Jesus is nothing like us in the sense that he was born perfect and born to die. He took upon himself the imperfections. There's something about Jesus that's altogether different. He knows what it's like to be alone. To be alone. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the weight of the collective and individual sin and punishment was upon him. He's nothing like us, and yet he's just like us. What do you mean? Look at statement number five. I thirst. Now, in some ways, and in many ways, Psalm 20, or 69, verse 21, which is a messianic psalm, doesn't mean it's messy and you can't understand it. It means it's a psalm about the Messiah. It's prophetic. It's, in, it's indicating things about him that you could discern. Psalm 69, verse 21 says, They also gave me gall for my food and my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. And again, if we were in the hour and ten version of this message, we would unpack this of how, what they gave to Jesus. But here's what I find so interesting. Jesus is nothing like us in that here on the cross, he takes all the imperfections upon himself. And that he says, I thirst because he's fulfilling prophecy, but he's also human it's not like he's like you know the ninth avenger up there on the cross just taking it for the team he's enduring he was human he felt everything the physical the psychological the spiritual the emotional the relational weight of what was happening he went through it he's just like us as a human being in that he connects and cares and he knows the author of Hebrews says this about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Listen, we don't have someone in Jesus that can't connect with us. He's not the Thor of the Bible. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. What does that mean? Jesus was made alone so that you do not have to be. Jesus can connect with you, sympathize with you. He hears you. See, he's nothing like us and he's just like us. And then these last two statements, we'll see in just a moment, the beauty and the finality of Jesus lovingly giving his life and finishing the payment required for you and I to be made good on Good Friday. Statement number six. He says, it is finished. And then statement number seven. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. You see, Good Friday is good because it marks the love-motivated dramatic price paid by Jesus 
fulfilling God's plan to save us from sin. It's good. It's good. It's good. And on Good Friday, Jesus reversed the curse. Let me read these two passages to you one more time. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Can I ask a question just by a show of hands? And kids, even if you're still awake, you can raise your hand. Are you thankful that Jesus has redeemed you from the curse of the law? Because of the cross, you're forgiven. Now, I will throw in a little alliteration. Remember, I have that problem. So here it is. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection. I mean, I love Good Friday and Easter Sunday. They're a package deal. Because of the cross and the resurrection, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. You're not headed to hell. As a Christian, this is as bad as it gets for you. Because your worst day with Jesus beats any day without him. You're forgiven. And you're being made free. That's Romans chapter 6. Free from the power of sin as you just willfully submit yourself over to him daily. You experience freedom. You're forgiven. You're free. You're part of a funky family that's called the church. You know, someone once said, you know, church is kind of like cereal. And I throw myself in the cereal because I'm part of church. Fruits, flakes, and nuts, right? We all get together and have a great time. <laughs> like that's what church, that's, yes, a funky family. What we have in common is not our shoes, not what we like to eat. It's Jesus that brings us together. We're forgiven, we're free, we've got a funky family, and we've got a fantastic future. Like someone's playing Seinfeld? Is that what that is? Like, it's funky, man. It's like that bass slapping thing. But this is the beauty of it. Because of the cross, because of Good Friday, we're forgiven and free. We have a family, and our future is truly fantastic. That's why this day is good. But don't miss the significance of it. Your freedom... Is freely given to you, but it cost God His one and only begotten Son. But on Good Friday, Jesus reversed the curse. Once again, our theme verse for tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made Him. I don't know if I can under explain to you the implications of that in this short amount of time, but His one and pure spotless Son, He made Him sin on your behalf. The perfect one, the spotless one. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are forgiven and free. So live that way in Jesus' name. Keep your head up. Your future is truly fantastic. And there's so many who don't have this hope. That Good Friday for them makes no sense. Why do we have this day? You have the hope within you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us again as we dive into the scripture, going verse by verse here at Coastline Calvary Chapel.